welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Upstairs in Big Church, we want to open up our Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 13. I am beginning a three-week sermon series on the city of Sodom. And the reason we want to talk about this is because Jesus spoke about Sodom. He said that we need to remember Lot's wife. Lot lived in Sodom. In fact, that picture here up on the screen, this is what Sodom would have looked like back in the day. It was a very nice city. And Lot, and we're going to see, had the opportunity. He chose to live. At first he started by living near Sodom, then he moved into Sodom. And not only that, Sodom also is one that uh, Jesus tells us in the uh, end times that the men of Sodom will rise up and judge us because of our wickedness. So if, the, if they had repented. So we want to make sure the city that our communities that we live in, that we are not influenced like what was in the times of Sodom. Sodom is talked about over and over and over again in our Bible. So we're going to see about this city and about the circumstances that moved. Why would Abraham's nephew, who is Lot, choose to go into this city when he could have lived in the promised land of Canaan? So we're going to be looking at that these next three weeks. We're going to study. So when you, in three weeks, you should know everything about what the Bible says about Sodom. And it is spoken frequently about in our Old and our New Testament. So Genesis chapter 13 Verse 8. So we're going to see here that what occurred, Abraham was called by the Lord. He lived in this area called the Ur of the Chaldeans. And God spoke to him and says, Abraham, you need to leave your country and you're going to go to the land of Canaan, which is current day Israel. And I am going to bless you and you're going to have a one, I'm going to make your name great, and you're going to be the father of many nations, many peoples. This is Father Abraham. This is the beginning of the, the first call there. God is calling Abraham to be uh, this new nation. Well, he left, but he brought his nephew. He had a younger nephew named Lot. God did not tell him to bring Lot, but he brought Lot anyway. So he's bringing Lot with him to the promised land. So they end up in the promised land. And then all of a sudden, God begins to bless both of them. They have large herds of cattle, lots of uh, shepherds, lots of sheep, and there's not enough food. There's not enough pasture for them. They realize it's going to be time to separate. And that's what we're going to pick up right here. So they're, they're fighting among themselves. And Abraham is a wise man. And he's realizing, you know what? God has just blessed us both. We cannot both live in this land as big as our herds are. So Abraham being the gracious one, he's allowing Lot. He's going to let him pick where he wants to live. Now, Israel, Canaan, is on what we would call the western side of the Jordan River and of the Dead Sea. Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain, they're on the far side 
of the Dead Sea, the Southern Dead Sea area. So that was what we called uh, uh, like the Jezreel Valley. So Abraham is going to allow Lot to pick which land do you want. And Lot is going to pick a land outside of the promised land. That's a mistake number one. He's going outside of the area that God did not give them. So I want you to pick up in your Bibles right here. Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, Please, let's not have quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since we are relatives. Isn't the whole land before you separate from me? If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So this is their option to leave. Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of the Jordan, as far as Zoar, as was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden and the land of Egypt. Notice Lot, this is before the Lord destroyed this area. So at this point, it was a nice fertile, a nice area. And even, and even at this point, Lot thinks about the garden of the Lord, which is the garden of Eden. So he's thinking, you know what, look at this wonderful looking land. It is so nice. On the outside, it looks good. So Lot is believing, I'm going to pick the premium land, but it's outside of the promised land. That's a mistake right there. He's going too far. He's going to a place he shouldn't go. And, it, and it's reminding him of the land of Egypt. Well, that, that shouldn't be. Egypt wasn't part of the promised land. That's their enemy. Why would he look at a land and say, this, this reminds me of Egypt. I want to go there. But that's what he did. And notice there's parentheses in verse 10. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward. Anytime in the Bible we see men or women going east, it's always bad. Bad things happen when you move east. So we can't move to West Virginia. So, because that's east. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities. See, notice, that, this, notice the distinction. Abraham is in the promised land. He's where he is supposed to be. But look at this. But Lot lived in the cities on the plain and set up his tent near Sodom. Not in Sodom at this point. Don't miss this. It's near Sodom. It's kind of like he knows Sodom maybe has a bad reputation. It looks good. It's a, 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 a wealthy city. It has well water. around reminds him of the Garden of Eden and the land of Egypt. So he, sit, he pitches his tent near the city. This is how we start getting in trouble. One of the things we have to realize is uh, sin. There's internal sin. The Bible teaches that we were born with original sin. Meaning, we will sin inwardly. You don't have to... Uh, we are depraved from even child. You don't have to tell a child to lie and steal. Any small child will go steal out of the cookie bowl. I mean, it's just what they do because they're going to disobey. But one of the things we can control is what we would call external sin or external influences. And if you choose to live in a city or near a city that has a lot of immorality, it's very likely that city 
the influences that city can spill over into your life. And that's what we're going to see here with Lot. And this applies for us. We have to be aware as Bible-believing Christians that we live in a wonderful city, but the city of Lexington, the, city, the state of Kentucky, it can influence us spiritually in our beliefs. And we have to always be on guard against that. And we need to know, parents, who are your children's friends? Who are the people you work with? What are they like? The people you go to school with. The people whom you spend the most time with, they will influence you. In fact, the Bible tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. Y'all know that? You hang around bad people. You hang around people who do not love the Lord, who do not believe in their Bibles, who do not live for the Lord. Eventually, it might not happen the first day, but time and time and time, it will corrupt who you are. This is why part of parenting is actually helping shape and being a good grandparent is shaping who your children's friends are. You know that old statement? You've heard so many people, you show me your three best friends and I'll show you your future. Because the people you hang around, that's who you become like. So if you hang around the men of Sodom and the people of Sodom and you're living near Sodom, well, of course, eventually, it's just gonna, that's how you're going to think. It's just going to rub off on you. So that's where we're at right here. So he's pitching his tent near Sodom. Not in Sodom. At this point, he's near Sodom. Now look at this. Verse 13. Now the men of Sodom were evil, sinning immensely against the Lord. But at this point, we do not know what that sin is. And all we know is apparently this is just a, a sinful city. So then chapter 14, I want you to look here in chapter 14, because what happens, so, uh, he's living near Sodom, and Sodom went to war. There was a king of Sodom, king of Gomorrah. Back then, those, these cities had kings. And four other kings came and kidnapped, basically, the people of, a lot of the people of Sodom. And Lot got called up in that. So Lot lived near Sodom at this point. At this point, he was actually in Sodom. We're going to see here in chapter 14, verse 11 and 12, we're about to read, that Lot got kidnapped from, Sid from Sodom. Abraham had to go rescue Lot after he got kidnapped. Now you would think, if you lived in a city and you got kidnapped, wouldn't that be a sign that maybe I need to move? My uncle had to come, you know, set me free from kidnappers this might not be the safest place. We were driving back last night, and we stopped at a BP in Win Winchester, and it was totally empty. Then, that was in Clark County. We then, I'm sure you still had to use the restroom, stopped when we got off the interstate on Winchester Road, and it was a totally different clientele than what they were purchasing at a gas station. And it's, you know, late at night and you're wondering, gosh, you know, from these two gas stations, 20 miles apart from Winchester Road here in Lexington versus the city of Winchester, it was a night and day difference at these two places. One was bustling with sinful activity and one was a ghost town. And, you know, when you go to, you can just, which of those two gas stations you hang out at, it's going to shape who, who you are. So look what happens right here. Chapter 14, verse 11 and 12. Look what God's Word tells us here. 
So Sodom is getting kidnapped. It says here, the four kings took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food and went on. They also took Abraham's nephew Lot in his possessions for he was living. Now look at this church. Don't miss this. Chapter 13, it says he pitched his tent near Sodom. By chapter 14, he was living in Sodom. He was living in Sodom. So he had moved into the city. He started out in the suburbs. Now he thought, well, why live out in the suburbs? Let's just go into the city. He had moved in there and he, he got kidnapped. Later on that chapter, Abraham had to come rescue him, and deliver him. You know, Abraham actually delivers Lot two times from Sodom. Twice he was delivered. One was a kidnapping, and the other, the Lord, is about to destroy the city. He had sent two angels, and the angels had to grab Lot's hand and pull him out of the city. That's how ingrained this man was. And what's unbelievable about Lot is the book of 2 Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm just going to read it to y'all, verses 7 and 8. The Bible actually tells us in our New Testament that Lot was a righteous man. He was a righteous guy. I believe Lot started out well. His, his uncle was Abraham. Father Abraham, who the Lord would speak to face to face, came and he, he became a hundred-year-old man and became a father. It says here in 2 Peter 2, 7, 8, that he, God, rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. Two times he was rescued. He was actually a righteous man. So it just shows us when we hang around, when you go into places that you should not be, and you're hanging around people who do not, who do not have a biblical worldview. I listened to 12 hours of podcast yesterday, and in my podcast I was listening to James Dobson, and he was talking about, he was, he was talking about the greatest challenge with parents is having children and teaching children with a biblical worldview. That is the number one thing parents should be teaching their children. A biblical worldview is teaching your children and your grandchildren that they should look at our world through the lens of a Bible. So anything that happens, you want to run through a filter. What does God's Word say about this? This issue, this event, this, uh, uh, this person, this activity, what does Scripture say about it? You want to raise up children that know what God's Word says about their surroundings. Because if they don't know, they will just go downstream with culture. That's the role and responsibility of parents. Alright, now, flip over in your Bibles here to Genesis chapter 18. This is actually our main passage this morning. So we now see at this point, several chapters go by here in Genesis. At this point, Abraham has been renamed by the Lord. He was named, he experienced the cir uh, circumcision covenant. He was Abram. Then God renames him Abraham. And then, not only that, he, um, uh, his wife is going to have a child. These three visitors come and appear to Abraham. And the Bible tells us of the three visitors... One was the Lord, and two were angels. So they show up one day, just mysteriously show up, and inform Abraham, Abraham, just want you to know, this time next year, Sarah's going to be having a baby. 
Well, Sarah overhears it, and she laughs. She thinks it's a joke. She's thinking, I'm 90 years old. I'm not going to have a child. This is hilarious. And God rebuked her for laughing. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything too much of a challenge? I mean, think about it. 90 years old. This past week, I visited Miss Lena Cornette. She turned 93. Wonderful lady. So active. What if I came this morning to report that Miss Lena was expecting a baby? Y'all would laugh. Now, she's active enough to raise a baby. But that's what this is like. Sarah's 90 years old. I'm about to have a baby. I mean, it's a comical. But the Lord shows up and says, hey, it's going to happen. So now, this is one of the most unique conversations in Scripture. Abraham is going to negotiate with God. He's going to say, you know what? If there's at least 50 righteous people in Sodom, Lord, will you destroy the city? And you say, Pastor, why is, why is God doing this? God is doing this, I believe, because the Lord chose Abraham. And because his nephew is Lot, the Lord is going to be gracious to Lot and his family. Not because how great Lot is, but because how great his uncle Abraham is. Out of the graciousness for Abraham, God is going to help him here. So we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. At this point, Lot, uh, Lot is living in Sodom. Actually, at this point, the Bible tells us that he's the gatekeeper. He's not just in the city, he's running the city. He's the guy who greets you at the door. And what's occurring right here is these visitors are about to leave. And the Bible is going to reveal to us that two of them are angels and one's the Lord. And as they are about to leave after informing Sarah and Abraham that they're going to have a child, they look out over the city and they see Sodom and they've got um, a judgment to pronounce on it. And that's where we pick out, pick up in our Bibles. Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. The men got up from there and looked out over, the, over Sodom. And Abraham was walking with them to see, to see them all. Then the Lord said, should I hide what I'm about to do from Abraham? Why would God ask such a question? You know, I believe the Lord did not, want, did not want Abraham to have to worry about this. He wanted Abraham to be totally focused on him. And yes, this community over here, I'm a Sodom and Gomorrah, and this, this Jezreel plain by the Dead Sea, he was just going to eliminate it. It wasn't going to exist anymore. Abraham is to, is to become a great and powerful nation. And all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that I will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. You know, that's, that's us. As believers in Christ, we're part of the house of Abraham. When you get saved, you become a child of Abraham. Jesus from, was a descendant of Abraham. And we are in Christ as believers. And we are, we, we are made righteous by the Lord just like Abraham was righteous. Abraham was righteous because he believed and trusted the Lord. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham obeyed. You know, Charles Stanley passed away this past week. Such a wonderful, godly man. I listened to his sermons, at, literally, I was in pocket every day. It's one of my 12 hours I listened to. And I was listening to him 
and he was talking about, they were, they're doing on his podcast, they're doing memories about him. And once he was asked several years ago about, well, how does he want to be remembered when he passed away? And Charles Stanley made the statement that he wants to be remembered as a man who chose to obey God in every opportunity. So when he was faced with a decision, he wanted to honor the Lord with that decision. And he would trust the consequences and the results in whatever happened from that decision to the Lord. What a great, what a great statement. Basically, I just choose to live and obey God. Now, I cannot, whatever happens from that decision, I can't affect. All I can do is choose to obey God. And that's the same for us. It's consequences, results, we trust that to the Lord. We wake up this morning and say, Lord, I'm here to choose to obey you. Whatever happens, happens. But all I can do is choose you. And that's what Charles Stanley's goal was each and every day. Do you know Charles Stanley? What was so powerful about him? In 1984, 1985, there was a, a real faction of liberalism within the Southern Baptist Convention that did not believe in what we call the inerrancy of the Word of God. And he was the one that stood firm as the president of the SBC and said, you know, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. Even though there's people who are... Uh, and the vote was like 53% to 47. 45,000 people went to Houston. The largest convention ever. In many ways, the vote against Charles Stanley. He was someone who was, stood faithful on the Word of God throughout his 50 plus years of ministry. Do you know in the early 70s, he was in a business meeting and somebody was so unhappy with him one time, they stood up in the business meeting and punched the pastor in the face. He turned the other cheek. The whole, that everybody just felt so sorry they could actually remove that guy from church for beating the pastors up. Beating the pastor up. But you know, that story, by his response, he took a hit, you know, recovered himself, and just kept going. Because he realized he's standing on the Word of God. People just were not happy. Well, Abraham is also a righteous man. When you are a righteous man, when you choose to obey God, there are going you can't control the consequences. All we choose is, Lord, I'm here for you. All right, keep going here in your Bibles. I'm at the latter part. I'm in verse 19. For I have chosen him that he will command his children in his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. So that's the reminder of this covenant that God made with Abraham. That's a covenant for us today. Then the Lord said, so now we're about to shift to Sodom. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense. And their sin is extremely serious. We still do not know what this sin is. But the Bible calls it extremely serious. I will go down. Now this is interesting. I, this is the Lord speaking. I will go down and see if what they have done justifies the cry that comes up to me. If not, I will find out. So the Lord is saying here, I'm going to go down and I'm going to investigate what's going on. I'm, I'm, this cry is coming up. The, the immorality of these cities is coming up to the Lord. And it's a cry that comes to God. So God wants to go do His own investigation. So He's going to go into the city. I mean, when we think about Sodom, do you think about the Lord visiting the city? He did. He says, I'm going to go find out if it's really that bad. 
Could it be as immoral as the cry that comes up? So he's, he's just, I just want to find out. Could it be? The men turned from there. So the, remember the men, oh, we've got two angels and we have the Lord. Those are who the men are. These are the three visitors that visited Abraham. The men turned from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So these men are starting to walk down. And Abraham's just standing on this, on this mountain looking over the city. And the Lord is somehow the Lord's standing right next to him. Abraham stepped forward and said, he's speaking to the Lord face to face. Moses would do this as well. Abraham stepped forward and said, will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? I mean, what if there's some righteous people in the city? Will you sweep them away? What if there are 50 righteous people in a city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of 50 righteous people who are in it? You could not possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike, you could not possibly do that. Now look at this statement that he's talking face to face with the Lord. Look what he says here in this verse. Latter part of verse 25. Won't the judge of the whole earth do what is just? Abraham is looking at the Lord saying, you are the judge of the whole earth. Just Lord, you do what is just. If there's 50 righteous people, you need to spare that city. This is a bold man speaking that way. He is confident speaking to the Lord. He's telling the Lord, says, Lord, you are just. You are a good job good God, you are righteous. And if there's 50 folks in that city, you can't destroy them for the sake of that 50. And what's amazing is the Lord does not rebuke Abraham for doing this. Most of us would not speak face to face to the Lord this way. They're standing together. The the angels are already walking down to the city. They're going inside the city. And they're standing there talking. The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. So 50 people will spare it. Then Abraham continued. He's a negotiator. Since I have ventured to speak, my Lord, even though I am dust and ashes, that is true. Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, we're dust and ashes. I'm dust and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? So he says, what about 45? It's almost like Abraham knew there might not really be 50 people. He didn't want to see the city destroyed because he knew his nephew lived there. He shouldn't be living there. Here he delivered him from the city. He had to go defeat the kings set him free from being kidnapped. He replied, God said, verse 28, I will not destroy you if I find 45 there. So the Lord can do math. Then he spoke to him again. Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, I will not do it on account of 40. So we're down to 40 people. Then he said, Lord, let my, let my Lord not be angry, and I will speak further. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30. Could you imagine talking to God this way? 50, 45, 40, 30. He's negotiating down. We're now to 30 people. Abraham is worried that there might not even be 30 righteous people. But God knows how many righteous people. Do you know how many righteous people were found in Sodom? Four. That's where we're getting to. That was actually the answer to the question. There's only four righteous people. 
So God knows only there's only four good folks in the city, so 30, I'm still okay. So he's going to keep getting lower and lower. He said, verse 31, he said, Since I have ventured to speak, my Lord, suppose 20 are found there. He replied, I will not destroy on account of 20. Then he said, Let my Lord not be angry, and I will speak one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. God, 10 people. Surely there's 10 righteous people in this city. He answered, I will not destroy it on account of ten. Abraham stopped at ten. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed, and Abraham returned to his place. If you look at chapter 19, verse 1, look in your Bibles. The two angels entered. So remember, the Lord has left, and Abraham went back to his home. And then the two angels, they had already started walking towards the city. The two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in Sodom's gateway. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet them. He bowed to his face to the ground and said, My lords, turn aside to your servant's house. Wash your feet and spend the night. Then you can get up early and go in your ways. Lot met him. That's going to be my last verse I'll read there. Lot started out pitching his tent near the city. Then he became in the city in chapter 14. Now, by chapter 18, chapter 19, Lot is running the city's gates. Do you see what happens when you live in Sodom? Live near Sodom? Sodom had become part of Lot. And he recognized right away, here are these four, here are these two angels coming into the city. And the first thing he said to them, y'all have to quickly spend the night in my house. Why did Lot say that? Because he knew what that city was all about. He knew what was going to happen in that city if those men stayed anywhere else except for Lot's house. Because they had entered a wicked city. What's amazing about those four people is one of them turned in, we're going to see later on, one turns into a pillar of salt. And then they, now we're down to three people after they escape. And the other two were their, Lot's, Lot and his wife's two daughters. Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. God realized there is a city of Sodom that only has four righteous people in it. And then one wasn't even that righteous because she barely made it out of the city because she longed for the city so much. She turned around and looked at it. And Jesus even tells us to remember Lot's wife that she turned into this pillar of salt. Now all the principles we see in this passage is teaching us Several things. First, what we want to learn from this is that our community, our surroundings influence us. Whether we want to admit it or not, it does. Where you work, it is possible that some of you here this morning, you work in a place that there are not even four righteous people. You just hang around people who do not love the Lord. People who are not believers. People who do not live their life to honor God. And if if you're that way, you have to be aware. I'm, I'm living, I'm working in a place very similar to Sodom. They just aren't righteous. Not only that, your school, you could have friends at school, again, uh, high school students, middle school students, even elementary schools who just do not love the Lord. Your church, you want to make sure even the people you're around at church, these are 
people who, who are, are seeking after the Lord. You can come to church and meet gossips. You can come to church and meet people who, 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 who don't love the Lord. Your friends and even your city. So your surroundings, the people who's around you the most, how are they influencing me? You have to ask that question. Do I have godly people? Abraham chose to live in the promised land, in the land of Canaan, and he was obeying the Lord. Lot left his uncle and went to this land and has become, began thinking like them. It influences you. Not only that, what do we see here? Sin is internal and external. We can't control internal sin because we are born into sin. But we can, have, we can control external forces in our life. We can make choices to who we talk to, who we're around, where we live, who we surround ourselves with. And that makes a difference by minimizing sin in your life. Lot made a poor choice moving to this area. I mean, think about it. Do you know? I mean, maybe you have some children or grandchildren. And they grew up in church. They went to their local Baptist church here in Lexington. They went to youth group. They got saved and baptized. They faithfully served the Lord. But then they took a job in the big city somewhere else in America. And when they moved away from home, they also moved away from the Lord. That is essentially what we're seeing here. When Lot left Abraham, he drifted away from the presence of God. You think about the story of the prodigal son. When the younger son left Papa's house, he found himself in a pig pen. When we choose to, to take steps away from our, the godly discipleship of our mom and dad, from the influence of our, our, our church that we grew up in, from our godly friends and our, our church family, we are going outside the will of God. And some of you here today might find yourself, so pastor, I am living in Sodom. It might not be the, the city that we see here that God's going to destroy with fire and brimstone, but what happens, all the influences, all the external influences are pushing people away from God. And if that is you, you need to stop and say, have I moved into Sodom and has Sodom influenced me? If you are no longer thinking having a biblical worldview, that there is the sign that Sodom has come into you. What's key about all this Scripture that we just read, do you notice Abraham, when those angels started walking down, they were up on the mountain, and it says the two angels left and went towards Sodom. And Abraham stayed there with the Lord. And that's when they had their conversation about the negotiation going from 10 to, or from 50 to 10. But when that conversation was done, did you notice where Abraham went? He went back home. Abraham didn't go to Sodom. That wasn't for him. That wasn't his place. He knew not to go there. And notice the Lord, the Lord sent his angels there. Those were his representatives to go to Sodom. And they went into that city, and the first person they met was Lot. And I'm asking you this morning, if, if you are living in or near Sodom, God wants, you to, God wants to deliver you 
from sodomite thinking. God wants to deliver you from the, the ungodly influences. And what does that look like for Christians today? In many ways, that might look like changing some of your friends. Changing possibly where you work. Maybe changing where your children go to school. Changing the people you talk to. Changing your, your daily routine of what you're engaged in. You're realizing this stuff is immoral. Why am I doing this? Why am I watching this? Why am I listening to this stuff? It's, it's not what the Bible teaches. So this morning, in these next few weeks, as we go through this, God is going to speak to you. He says, how can this example of Sodom that is spoken about all throughout our Bible, why, how is it a message for us today? Because I don't believe it's just here for Lexington. It's all the, all the areas around us. Our communities influence us. Many of you remember growing up in small towns, in small communities, where truly the church was the center of life. If the church had a revival, this is no joke, the local public elementary school at 10 a.m. would come over to the church for revival. It was a different time. And that day is long gone. But we, even though we might not live in that day anymore, we have to be as, as believers and as diligent and faithful to the Gospel. We want to be like Abraham. And we want to make sure we're living in Canaan, whatever our Canaan is, and that we stay close to God as possible. Every decision, we are choosing to obey God. Sodom. If you start pitching your tent near the sin, eventually you'll be in Sodom, and then Sodom will be in you. God, I pray for the folks this morning. I pray these words will be sealed on our hearts, teaching us the dangers of our external communities. Lord, we can be negatively influenced by people and places in our lives. And Lord, You call us to holiness. You call us to righteousness. Lord, help us here be like Abraham. He was a godly man who lived and loved you, who spoke to you face to face. And Jesus, I pray this morning that our invitation, our decision we make, says, Lord, deliver me from Sodom. Deliver me from the sinful, non-biblical worldview that has crept into my life. That as a young man, I used to have, but for whatever reason, I have moved outside the promised land. And Lord, we pray that we will be in the center of your will. And that is daily making choices to love and choose and live for you. Lord, I pray our invitation is our time to boldly respond to you and get saved, to make this our church home. Lord, this is our time of response. Lord, thank you for bringing us here to church to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close our service with the invitation. This is our time. We're going to respond to the Lord. You want to walk this aisle? Come take my hand. Say, Pastor, I'm ready to get saved. I'm ready to turn my life around. I'm ready to make Broadway Baptist Church my church home. So let's stand together. We're going to sing our hymn book, the most famous of all gospel invitational songs, 435, Just As I Am. So I'll be standing out front. Our deacons stand up here with me. You respond to what Jesus is speaking to you. David.